Man, thank you, ladies. That was beautiful. I'm glad we can rest in him. Are you resting in him today? How many of you are alive this morning? You're alive? How many of you are glad to be here? Now, y'all want a short sermon this morning? Then I better start hearing some amens or grunts or something. Amen? Thank you. Um, you know, I was, um, I was sitting in a class uh, many years ago. And uh, Mr. Phillips was my professor. And uh, it was the Book of Romans. And he was the oldest staff member at Crown College. And uh, what I come to find out about Mr. Phillips, he had pastored the same church for over 50 years. And uh, he was teaching the book of Romans. And I'll never forget it as I was sitting there as a young man, green. I mean, really didn't even know what God was going to call me to do yet. I was just at Bible college seeking the Lord, yielding my life to what he wanted for me to do. And I'll never forget it. And this was reminded, my wife reminded me of this. She said this just the other day. And it reminded me of that day that I was sitting there in that class as a young 21-year-old man, green. I mean, knew nothing about ministry. I still don't feel like I know much about ministry. But I'll never forget as that older gentleman, he's in heaven now, pastored the same church for over 50 years. And I have more respect for him now than I did then for Knowing now, pastoring and being in the pastorate, and I recommend, I, I admire the church that put up with him for 50 years, and I admire him for putting up with the church for 50 years. Somebody say amen. You know, it's a great testimony with a church, when a church will put up with a pastor and a pastor puts up with the church. That's a beautiful thing. It's like a marriage God puts together. We have to endure one another, but we, we love one another. So anyway, I'm just sharing with you. I'm going somewhere. And so this week's been one of these kind of weeks. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. And I'll never forget as Mr. Phillips stood in front of me that day, and he looked at us and he said, You men that are going to be pastors, he said, Sometimes you'll have to do that very same thing in the matter of 30 minutes. I didn't really understand what he was talking about. He said, there's been many times in my ministry, a young couple would call me or they would announce that they're having a baby. And we would rejoice with them. And by the way, that's just announced this past week. We have a precious young couple at our church that's going to be having a baby. And by the way, they're going to have a boy. And we rejoice with them. But then maybe an hour later, you get a phone call and someone has heartbreaking news. And then you have to weep with them. Isn't that the Christian life? Listen to me. That's why church is so important. You have a family that can rejoice with you when you rejoice, but when those sirens come or that phone call comes or that heartbreaking news comes, you have somebody that can weep with you too. And sometimes all of that takes place in a matter of 30 minutes. So I say that to teach you something. Not everything that you see is exactly the way you might think it is. And what I mean by that is people are going through some really rough things. And then some people are going through real blessed things. And sometimes in the ministry, you have to get on that roller coaster and just hold on and ride the best you can and ask God to help you. So I say that to you to help you to understand 
some things. Someone might say, well, I'll tell you what, our pastor's having a rough day today. There might be a reason. There might be a reason. And so I want you to understand those things. I think it would be very important. Weep, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Amen. I'm going to get away from my series on Daniel today. I'm not going to be preaching tonight. And so I wanted to, I was just led a different way this morning. And I want you to turn into your precious Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And I want to look at a few verses here that are very well known. But we want to look at them and I want to pull out three words, really two words. And I want to expound upon them this morning. If you're visiting with us today, I hope that you will not get out of here until I get to meet you. I've tried to meet everyone that I possibly can, but I'd love to meet you. If you're visiting with us, we're so thankful you're here. and We hope the service will be a great blessing to you. Hebrews chapter 12, let's begin reading in verse number 1. If you'll read along with me, the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him. Boy, that just jumped out at me. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning. Use your word in the hearts of of each one here, including mine. And Lord, I pray you'll help us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I start... I want to say I was encouraged this morning. I was able to be in the Sunday school class downstairs. And I'm not saying this because of he continued to mention my name. I believe if Brother Nate Tolson was in another church, he would be mentioning his pastor no matter where he was. But one thing that encouraged me today is as he was speaking, he was talking about phrases, sermons of the past that he had not only just thought about, but he was considering But obviously he mentioned in a way that was making an impact in his life. Now I want to just give a little teaching point here just a minute. I will butcher the English language at times, but I want you to understand something. I am not trying to impress you. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care if you remember anything about me. But I will say this. The truth of God's word needs to be permeating in our hearts and lives and it needs to be more than walking out of this building and saying, oh, that was a good sermon. It's not good till it does something in here and changes the way we think and act and live. That's applying God's word to our heart. We don't listen to a message like we're listening to a politician. We're not listening to a message like it's some kind of a speech. We're listening to a message because it is of God and we're wanting the God of heaven to speak to us. Now, I pray that you will allow the God of heaven to speak to you. Now listen, He will speak. 
He will do the speaking. The question is, will we do the listening? Will we do the applying to our life? And then three weeks from now, you can hang on to something that God said to you today that's made an impact in your life for the last three weeks. That's the reason I brought all of that up because I believe that we are going... Our, our land is filled with churches. Our land is filled with sermons. And our land is filled with people that walk into churches Sunday evening, Sunday morning, week in, week out. And they walk out of the church not allowing anything that was said to permeate into their heart. And I'm going to ask you this morning to allow the Lord to permeate His Word in your heart. And the thought is this. Verse 3, for consider Him. Every single day we make choices. Some big choices, some little choices. By the way, I've learned in my 49 years of life, there's really no little choice. We might think, oh, well, that's a small choice, but it's amazing. Down the road, that small choice can cause huge repercussions. I want you to know, someone might say, well, what I cook with is not a really big uh, deal. That's not a really big choice. Well, it would be if you happen to have forgotten you've got some kind of uh, medicine in your cooking cabinet and you don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, you put it in your food and everybody consume it. It could become a big deal. So we look at sometimes like just choices that we make day in and day out. Some are some, some are small. But I want you to know something. Uh, here's what's amazing to me. We consider a lot of things, but the easiest one to consider the less is the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say our minds are constantly considering choices. They're considering people. They're considering events. Uh, we're considering responsibilities. We're considering our hobbies. We're considering other people. Our minds are filled with space of where we are allowing our minds to consider. Think about it. Here in the future, it will be politicians. We'll be considering slogans. We'll be considering advertisements. We'll be considering food. We'll be considering destinations. Uh, here in the near future, we'll be considering the politicians' speeches. There's so many things that are clamoring for a space in our mind that we are to consider. And it amazes me in this day, the one that we should be considering the most is so easily rooted out by everything of this world, and that one is the Lord Jesus. Amen. The Bible says in verse 3, for consider Him. God's Word specifically calls us to what? Consider Him. That's the message this morning. Consider Him. What are y'all considering this morning? What have you considered? What have you allowed to occupy your mind? The one that is so easily crowded out is the most important one most of the time, and it's Him. That's why the Bible tells us here in Hebrews chapter 12, have we considered Him? So this morning, just a few moments, I want to look at considering Him. So for these next 30 minutes, I'm going to ask you to clear your mind of what's for supper, what's for lunch. Uh, some of you ladies, back in the old days, the ladies would be worried to death. Uh, how many of y'all use a crock pot? Anybody know what a crock pot is? Back when I grew up, everything on Sunday was put in a crock pot. And because a crock pot could be cooking while you're at church and you come home and you can just have at it. But I'm going to ask every lady here for a moment, if you've got something uh, in the crock pot, it'd be fine whether it's burnt or raw. Amen. 
Don't consider that right now. Only consider, let's get our minds on the Lord Jesus. You shouldn't say, Pastor, i got too many problems, okay? Then let's just rid your mind of those problems for a few moments and let's just put space in our mind and let's just consider Him. Amen? Let's just consider the one that is number one preeminent. That's who we need to consider this morning, the preeminent one. We need to consider His position. Now we see his position in this passage of Scripture. I want you to notice it in verse 2. Looking unto Him. Who is Him? What is He? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the Bible says that He is sitting down at the very right hand of the throne of God. So I want to say to you all this morning, let's consider His position. Can I just say it like this in West Virginia slang? They Nobody like Him. And how about we consider Him this morning? Why? He is high. He is holy. He is lifted up. He is on the right hand of the throne of God. And He is in the most preeminent spot. He said, Pastor, how does that help me to consider that? Because we're living in a failing world. We're living in a world where gas prices are raising and morality is lowering. And many of us will get discouraged. But you need to get your mind off of all of that and you need to look to Him because He is on the right hand of the throne of God. And what that means is He's got everything under control. And He doesn't have to get your or my advice. He's got it. You say, why? He's on the throne. He's on the throne. He is in the place of power. And we need to remember Him. Have you considered that this morning? You say, oh, I'll tell you right now. I don't like our president. Okay, but you like your king. Y'all like your king? All right, well, the king is higher and more powerful than our president. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. Our Congress is corrupt. I agree. But even more important than our Congress, we have a king. He's in a position of authority. And the last time I checked, we're on the winning side. Here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired for you and I'm tired of me walking around like we're defeated and we're winners. Oh, you just don't understand. I do understand, but he understands, and he is the preeminent one. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father, and I want you to know something. He's got it. He's got it. And he doesn't have to tell us how he's got it, although he has. By the way, y'all like riding horses? All of you that are saved, we're going to be riding white horses. We're going to win. And I want you to know he's the preeminent one. Why should we consider his position? Because he's the preeminent one. You know what that means? You know what most people do? They make lists. All right, I got priority here. Now, this is priority, this priority, this priority. What the Bible says here, notice, let me read it to you in Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says this, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body in the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Oh, I'm telling you right now, God is at the top of my list. Wrong. That's not what that verse means, that he's to be preeminent. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. The Lord is first. Wrong. That's not what that word preeminent means. Here's what it means. Throw away your list. Get rid of your list. He is your list. He's it. 
He has the first claim. He's preeminent. And we need to consider His position because He is the preeminent one. Number two, not only should we consider His position because He's the preeminent one, I want you all to know this. He is the perfect one. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, I've never seen perfection. I've never seen perfection on this earth other than one thing in my life. I've seen one thing that's perfect. Do y'all know what it is? It's right here. God's word's perfect. You say, oh, pastor, you don't understand. That was written by a bunch of old archaic men. Oh, yes, it was penned by a bunch of old archaic men, but the author is God. He's perfect. He's kept his word. I want you to know something. He's perfect. What's the Bible say? He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. What's that mean? He's the beginning and the end, and he's everything in between. He's preeminent. We ought to consider him this morning, that he is perfect. He is preeminent. Why is he perfect? Because the Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, what does that word finish mean? It means completes. When you finish something, it's completed. And I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect completer. He is perfect because I want you to know something. He is the one who perfects us. Now, I want you to understand the word perfect in the word of God means to mature. God is perfecting us. He's the perfect one, but he's perfecting us. What do you mean, pastor? He's maturing us. If you had a child and that little child never ate any food, if that child never grew physically, if that child just remained a baby, you would say something is wrong with my child. Well, can I say, when you become a Christian, it is abnormal to stay a baby Christian. That's abnormal. So what are you saying, Pastor? Well, the Lord said not only what I begin, he said I will finish. And here's what that process is called. It's called sanctification. Here's what's beautiful about this. What is the Lord Jesus is trying to do in each one of our lives that is a Christian? You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to make us more like him. That's a process. Some people have this idea, say, oh, Pastor, I'll tell you right now, I wish I was like you or wish I was like so-and-so or maybe I would be like Brother Don. But can I say, nobody that is a strong Christian became a strong Christian overnight. It's a process. By the way, can I say this? Sometimes it's painful. I wish I could say to you this morning that God's process did not require pain. I wish I could say to you this morning that God's process of making you more like Him was all smiles and butterflies, but I can't. Do you know where you are going to become more, as Brother Nate said today, that Jesus Christ is all you need? You're going to think that He's all all you need is when you realize He's all you have. That's a very painful place to be in. And By the way, we live in a day where so many people fight that process and that's why they never mature. All they want to do is whine about the problem. All they want to do is talk about how bad it is. And all they want to do is talk about how hard it is. But I want you to know something. If you're lifting weights, if you're strengthening and maturing your body, you're putting your body through pain. I don't know of any man. I think of, I have a nephew back there. I told someone the other day, he's pretty buff. He's pretty big. I mean, I grab up on him. I'm like, man, I wish I was like that. But here, here's the thing about it. Noah don't just say, he just didn't wake up one day and say, bam, bam, bam. You know, everything just popping on him. 
He pays a price, and I'm going to let y'all know something. I ain't paying that price, as you can tell. I have no desire to go lift weights. I have no desire to use my feet. I have no desire. And I know y'all can tell. That's the only laugh I got out of y'all this morning. I mean, I paddled across about 200 yards of sound the other day, and I was, I was winded. But I'm just saying, we understand in the physical realm, we say, more, if there's no pain, there's no gain. Same in the Christian life. God's way, His work is perfect. Although we don't always understand it, He's trying to perfect us. He's trying to make Him more like Himself. Can I ask you a question? How much are you like Him? Do you know who the greatest deterrent to churches are? Christians are. You know why? Because when we go and tell someone, yes, I'm a Christian. Do you know what that person should expect when we tell someone we're a Christian? That we ought to be Christ-like. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever heard the word hypocrite? You ever heard the word hypocrite? People use it like, I'll tell you right now, I ain't going to that church. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. Can I say? Guilty. We're all sinners. We've all failed. But I want you to know something. If we'll consider Him and realize that He's trying to mature us, we need to consider that He's... We should be confident in this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is perfecting us. Why? Because He is the perfect one. Can I say, number one, His ways are perfect, although sometimes we don't understand. I want you to think about this. We may not always understand Christ's ways and how He works in our life. I'm going to say to you as your pastor, I don't always understand why bad things have to happen. I wish they didn't. I wish I could say to you this morning that there's nothing that my wife and I have been told bad in the last week, but I can't. I wish I could tell you that there's not going to be one person in this building and you might be serving the Lord and you're giving the Lord everything you have. I wish I could tell you, yes, because you love the Lord and you're serving the Lord, nothing bad is going to happen to you this week, but I can't. But what I can tell you, no matter what that bad is, God still is trying to use it for your good. I can't say that. I didn't say all things were good. I'm telling you, Romans 8.28 is in the Bible, and he says that he will make those things good depending on how we respond to them. Can I say, I want you to know that his ways are perfect. Take a moment. I want you to consider How comforting it is to know that Jesus Christ's ways are perfect. He does all things right. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy, I love this little verse, He is the rock. His word is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right. There's a little kid's song with that that verse. He's just and right. He does all things right. He does it right whether we think it's right or not. His ways are perfect. Perfect. Can I say no? His ways are perfect. We need to consider this. His work's perfect. 
Why? The Bible says he's the author. He's the pioneer. He's the trailblazer. He's the author. He's the one that penned the words. He's the one that gave us our faith. He's the one. He is the beginning. He is the end. So his work is perfect. What do you mean, Pastor? He is our perfect example. I want you to think about something. Think about it. He will continue to work in you until your race is finished. You know what his greatest work on earth is? You. Me. Do you know who he died for? People. Do you know the only thing that will live forever? Are y'all ready? You and me. People. That's it. The only thing that you see on this earth that will live forever is people. And can I say this morning, we need to consider him. We need to consider that his position, he's the preeminent one, he's the perfect one. But number two, we need to consider from this passage something else that I pulled out. We need to not only consider his position, he's on the right hand of the Father. He's got it, church. Number two, we need to consider his pattern. Y'all know what a pattern is. According to our text, Christ, the Bible says, endured the cross despising the shame. So from the beginning of Christ's ministry, we see that he lived a pattern. Not only did he live a pattern, I want you to understand something else. He lived a life over temptation and trials. Now, you and I are going to live in this life and we're going to face several things. One is temptation. Number two, trouble. (laughs) By the way, Jesus Christ faced both of those things too. And the way he defeated and the way he had victory gives us a pattern that we can live and we can consider his pattern so we can also be victorious. Y'all like being winners? How many of y'all are college football fans? Would you raise your hand? Amen. Can I get a little bit of excitement there? How many of you have a team that you're going to be rooting for? Amen. How many of you pull for the orange? Would you, would you say boo? All right. If you like somebody else, how many of y'all like the Georgia dogs? Say boo, boo twice. Amen. All right. If you like anybody else, say hurrah or amen. You're going to be watching football. All right. Well, here's the thing. They have a pattern. They have a plan. They've got, a, they've got a, a playbook. They have a finished product. They want to have a victory. They want to win. By the way, the Lord Jesus Christ came down here to this earth with a plan. We know that by this verse because the Bible says he endured the shame. He endured the cross. What? For the joy set before him. So he had a plan. I want you all to stay with me because I'm going somewhere. He had a plan. Now listen to me. He had a good plan. He had a godly plan. Now, here's where the application is to every individual here. When you start having a plan to serve God, get ready. You just got the devil on your radar. Listen to me. I'm going to say it as kindly as I can. He's after you. You say, oh, pastor, I don't believe in that little man with the red pitchfork. I don't either. That's not what the devil is. The Bible said he's an angel. The Bible said he's a fallen angel. The Bible said he's very wise and cunning. He's the father of all lies. He's a beautiful creature. He's not something that presents himself scary to you. He presents himself like, oh, that's not so bad. Oh, that's not, that doesn't look too bad. That's how the devil looks. 
The devil even likes to put a little bit of good stuff around just a little even tiny of bad stuff. And here's what amazes me. Here's the pattern. The Lord Jesus Christ was tempted. And here's what amazes me. The Bible tells us, and I won't read it all, but in Matthew chapter 4, you know what happened. The Lord, the Bible said, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to to be tempted of the devil. Now this is when Jesus Christ was on earth as 100% man, but also 100% God. And the Bible tells us here that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then afterward he was hungry. So he was weak, he was physically needing something, and the Bible says, then the tempter came to him. And said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now the devil knew exactly what Jesus was struggling with physically. He knew he was hungry. And he knew that Jesus Christ could make those stones bread. But notice how Jesus spoke to the devil. He said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the God. That didn't stop the devil. Notice, then the devil taking him up into the holy city and setting him upon a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto them, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall hear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone." So again, he tries to tempt the Lord. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then he tempts him the third time. And here's what I get all of this. Are y'all ready? If Satan had the audacity and the boldness to tempt the very Son of God, who are you and who am I? If he had the audacity to tempt the very Son of God, who am I? Let me tell you all something with a pointed out finger and pointing right at you. He's coming after you. He's coming after your children. He will come by your door a thousand times over to find it cracked once. Listen to me, but there's victory. Notice this this meeting with the devil The devil walked away defeated, and the Lord Jesus walked away victorious. How? Here's the pattern. You say, oh, pastor, you just don't understand. I'm tempted. I know you're tempted, but that doesn't mean you got to cave into it. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. That's the way I feel. Well, Jesus was hungry, but he still didn't feel so hungry that he disobeyed God. There's victory. There's a pattern here. Y'all like pat? Do y'all like winning plays? This is a winning playbook. Three simple things. Number one, y'all ready? Write them down in the fleshly tablet of the yard. How should we consider Christ's pattern? Number one, he was led of the Spirit. Are you being led of the Spirit today? Number two, y'all ready? He fasted and prayed. Any of us taking away some meals just to consider him and pray about some things that might be tempting us? Number three, this is an amazing thing. You know how else he, beat, he beat, had victory over the devil? Y'all ready? It's just simple. He quoted the Bible. Can I ask y'all a question? How in the world can we go out and ruin our lives and do something sinful when we're sitting here going, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? How in the world can we go out and do something crazy and do something that would harm our family when we just sit and think about the Lord and that very sin is what put him on the cross? 
Do you know what? That will have a huge effect on our thought processes if we'll just consider Him. Oh, I know what we do. We consider, oh, it ain't fair and this ain't right. We have a right to feel this way. Do you know what the Bible tells us? We're supposed to consider Him. Could I be just completely blunt? There won't be one husband that goes out and is unfaithful to his wife if he's considering the Lord. Come on now. Go on. Right, let's hear, ladies, let's hear an amen from you. Not one man in this building would ever go out, be unfaithful to his wife if he's considering the Lord. Not one wife in this building would ever go out and be unfaithful to her husband if she's considering the Lord. That's why it says for us to consider him. See, those folks that go out and ruin their lives, you know what? You know what they're doing? Oh, they're bad people. No, they're really not bad people. Here's what they're failing to do. They're not considering him. For consider him. His pattern. He had victory over the devil. He had victory over temptation. He had victory over troubles and trials. And he is our pattern. Can I ask you, husbands and wives, how many of you are sitting down every day and reading the Bible together? How many of you as a family sit down and maybe just pick a good book? I got some good books I can give you. Laura and I have tried to read a book every day together. Every day together we're trying to read a book together. A good spiritual book. I've got some recommendations for you if you want them. Why? Because what's it do? It helps us to consider Him. God wants us to endure like He did. By the way, He was hungry. Let me make a word here just real quick. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. If you quit when you're in the middle of a trial, you're going to miss the lesson that God has for you. You hear me? If you just up and quit when the tough gets going, I'm going to tell you something right now. You are going to miss. What these three ladies saying today, that's a real thing. That's real, boy. Resting in Him and His grace is sufficient. I'm going to tell you right now, how many of y'all know that's a real thing? I'm going to tell you right now, but if you quit in the middle of that, don't say amen to that song because you don't understand that song. You don't understand the truth behind that song. There is times when you don't have it and His grace is the only thing keeping you going. It's real. But it ain't when everything, whoo, whoo, Peaches and cream and everything's great, Pastor. The sun is out. Everything's shining. You know what normally happens when that? We don't even think about the Lord. But boy, when those trials come, we need to consider Him. And He is our pattern. He, hey, His position, His pattern, number three, and I'm going to close. What else am I giving you homework to consider today? Y'all ready? Consider His passion. Notice what this phrase, verse two, says. Notice this. Who for the joy that was set before him. Now that shocks me. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. Nothing about the Lord's ministry, looking at it, from my standpoint, anything looks attractive. Nothing. There's no joy in the Lord's ministry. He was beaten. He was whipped. His beard was plucked out of his face. The very people that he came to love hated him. The very people that he came to die for hated him and rejected him, put him on a cross. The very people that he came for made fun of him. The very people that he loved and spent all those three and a half, all of them forsook him. Nothing looks attractive to me about the Lord's ministry. So what made him step down and come here 
and become the Savior of the world? What made Him leave the throne of heaven to come to this old earth and be like us? I want you to consider this. Two very simple things it tells us in the text. Number one, He came for one reason, to glorify God. For the joy that was set before Him. The great joy was that He was to glorify His Father. Can I ask y'all a question? I'll interact with me just a minute. How many of y'all love someone so much you get more excited that you put joy in that person's life than you get back? Can I say most of the people that would raise their hand right there would be women. Because the difference between a man and a woman is a woman, when she shows love, she gets more joy of knowing that she's brought joy to somebody else. Us men like the joy being brought. Somebody say amen. And I'm going to be honest with you, there were some things that I was confronted with this week that I recognized, yes, I'm guilty. But true love, when you want someone else to be glorified, you want somebody else to be praised, you want somebody else to have it better than you do, that's love, is it not? How many of you mothers feel that way about your children? That's love, isn't it? How many mothers here would put their life in front of their child that their life be spared? Why? Because you want the best for your child. That's true love. Now listen to me. Same picture with the Lord. He came because he loved his father so much. He came. He wanted his father's plan to be perfect. He wanted to glorify God. But here's the last one. I'm going to close. He came. He left the throne of heaven. And this amazes me. Because he wanted To save us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to know something this morning. I thank God. The phrase set before him means this. He was appointed to do a work. His purpose was to fulfill the Lord's plan, God's plan, and that plan was to save old sinners. 1 Peter 1 says this, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace in you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven For you, God in his foreknowledge had a plan that the Lord Jesus Christ would come to this earth, bleed and die, that we who deserve death can be given life. That was his plan. How many of y'all glad that that's his plan? How many of you have accepted his way? And his way is Jesus Christ. And I want to just say this morning, I want to wake up every day and I want to just thank God that he come to save old sinners like me. That's why he came. I know I can't sing. I just have it on my heart. I want y'all to listen to it. The drunk on the street, the rich in their palaces, the poor and unlearned, and the men of degree. They all have a soul in need of salvation 
And they all have to come to Calvary. I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how he sets them free. But the biggest surprise in receiving old sinners is that he would save an old sinner like me. I want to thank him this morning that he has saved somebody as wretched as me. And every morning I wake up and I thank Him and I praise His holy name for saving me because there's nobody that knows me better than me and I'm so undeserving of it. But I want to consider that He loved me so much He saved me anyway. And I want you to know something. If you're down in the Molly Grub patch today, you need to thank God that He saved you. And quit walking around like you're so defeated and you don't have any victory. He has saved you from hell. And we need to consider Him. I thought about this the other morning. Mr. Edgy walked into a kitchen like any of us could and would. Walked into a kitchen to do what He loves. He's going to cook. Had no idea seconds later he was going to be absent from that body and he was going to be in heaven. And he died in moments. He went into the kitchen to fix food. Daniel's brother there was with him. Roy Edgy fell over to the floor and was dead before he hit the floor. He had a massive heart attack or something. His heart stopped. And I want to just say this. I thank God. Mr. Edgy had a testimony that he was an old sinner, but he knew Jesus saved him and he trusted Christ as a Savior and he got that settled long ago. And I want to say to you this morning, we're not promised another minute. Your soul and your life is nothing to trifle with. It's not to be gambled with. And I'm saying to you this morning, the most important decision you'll ever make is what have you done with Jesus? If you're here this morning, listen to me. You don't need to be embarrassed. There is nothing to be embarrassed about. If you've come to this church this morning and you don't know for sure if you're saved, I promise you, you can come down this aisle and we'll have somebody take a Bible and we'll show you from God's Word and you can walk up out of this building today and you can have assurance in your heart that you know Jesus. Don't live without Him. And listen, depression, I get it. I understand. I have went through things of depression and discouragement. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If we will consider, and I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how He sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that He would save an old sinner like me. Depression, what's that? What's that? Listen, been there. I'm not saying it's wrong, but to stay in it 
When you realize that you've been saved and the worst you're going to endure is down here, because listen to me, the moment your heart stops beating, if you know Jesus, you just started living. Oh yes, I'm on the winning side. Oh yes, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I shall look upon His face. The one who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me. That's what we got to look forward to. Yes. Now let's stand on our feet. What do y'all consider? What are you allowing? Take space in your mind. How many of you know you're no worthless sinner? But you know what? God loves the worthless sinners. And you know what I've learned about God? He'll clean up old worthless sinners. And you know what else he'll do? He'll change old worthless sinners' minds and hearts. And he'll change old worthless sinners' desire to serve him. It's an amazing thing. How about we consider him today? With head bowed and eyes closed. Can I ask you a question? I want you to be honest with me. You say, Pastor Mark, I am so glad. I know I'm an old worthless sinner, but boy, there was a day in my life that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I just want to consider the day I got saved and I want it to change my outlook on life. How many of you say, thank God He saved an old sinner like me by way of raising your hand? Are you thankful for that? Thank God. Can I ask this? Would you be honest now? Nobody's looking. I'm going to ask you a question. Would you be honest? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure if I know Jesus. But oh, I want to. Would you please pray for me? Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. And by the way, I told you a moment ago, there's nothing embarrassing about it. It's the greatest thing that will happen. When you say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure, but boy, I sure would like for you to pray for me. I don't know for sure if I'm saved. Would you raise your hand let me pray for you just like I said? Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Mark. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure if I'm a Christian. Is anyone like that this morning? you have any doubts at all? Can I ask this? By maybe you come to an old-fashioned altar this morning and maybe your outlook on life, maybe some things have been hit in your life and you've been letting all of that occupy your mind. But how about this morning you ask the Lord to help you to just consider Him and you let His position and His preeminence and His perfection and His passion, would you just let Him be considered in your mind and consume your thoughts? How many of you know that that's how God spoke to you? Would you raise your hand? You know God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come? They're going to play. You find a place up here. You pray. Ask God to help you. Whatever He spoke to you about. What do you consider? Consider. How many of you glad He saves old sinners? I'm glad He saves old sinners. You know what the devil loves to do? He loves to point back to your past. Well, what you need to do is point Him to His future. He's defeated. Can I also say as we close here in just a moment, I'm going to beg you to think about this now. Every family, every individual needs a church home. Every family. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm telling you, the storms are coming. The blessings are coming. The sun will shine. The the rainbows will be seen. But you're going to hit some storms in your life as well. 
And you need a church family that will rejoice with you and also weep with you. The fellowship of a church family is precious. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, my feelings, my flesh is saying to me right now, Mark, you got too excited. (laughs) The human side of me is already starting to say, Mark, you you got too excited. What in the world is these people thinking? (laughs) Lord, my spirit inside of me is telling me, We don't praise you enough. We get excited about everything in this world. We think it a little different to get excited about what we should get excited about. So Lord, I pray you'll help me. Thank you for saving me. Lord, if there was someone here in this building today and they're too timid to raise their hand, I understand that, but Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God will continue to work on their heart. And we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it all in the precious name of the Lord Jesus and all God's people said. I would love if it's okay for my wife and I to get to the back. I'd like to be able to greet everybody. I didn't get to really uh, shake anybody's hand earlier. So if you'd give me like 3.8 seconds to get back there, we'd love to be able to greet you. God bless you. Be back tonight, 6 o'clock. Remember, special service. We're going to be live streaming Bible Baptist Church.